Unity of Farmington Hills, a positive path for spiritual living. Just a little faith Just a little faith When the storms of life are blowing Just a little faith Will get you where you're going When you're inspired by the dreams inside your mind But in your life they feel so a little faith Just a little faith When the storms of life are blowing Just a little faith We'll get you where you're going Just a little faith Is all it takes To get you back in place It's all you'll I love it. I love it. It's funny. They did that. They, um, Michael uh, recorded me when I was 
being ordained in June, and they, Lauren put the short little video to this song. And I still, I saw it a couple days ago. I still can't believe I went. <laughs> I was like pumping it up, raised the roof. I don't know. <laughs> but every time I see it, I crack up. So I get just a little faith and I get a laugh every time I see it too. Oh man. So I try to remember, do I have a cute, I do have a cute little joke. All right. I try to keep one in my pocket so I can pull it out and spring it on you guys. So <laughs> I'm in a silly mood today. Okay, so I heard this story about this pastor who um, had gone to church one day, and it had been a bad storm that day. So when he got there, he didn't really expect many people to show up. But when he came out and came into the sanctuary, there was only one guy there. And so he, was, he looked at the guy and he said, well, do you think I should go ahead and, with my sermon? And the older guy who was a farmer said, well, you know, pastor, he said, whenever I go out to feed my cattle, if there's only one cow, I still go ahead and feed that cat, the cow. He said, and so the pastor said, okay. So he sprung into gear and he sat up there and he preached for two and a half hours and he was having a ball. And then he said, he asked the, the farmer, he said, so what'd you think? And the farmer said, well, you know, pastor, I'm not the smartest cookie in the, in the bunch, but when I go out to feed my cattle and there's only one cow there, I don't dump the whole thing on them. <laughs> oh, man. I guess he had a captive audience. <laughs> I thought that was so cute. So I was um, meditating all this week on our theme for this month, which is release and let go. And God's always working with me with my talk before I give my talk. And so this month, the month of November, represents in unity renunciation, or it will be elimination. And renunciation is our ability to release, to let go, to denounce, and it's our, it's our ability to move on. Right? So we talked, last, we talked last week about releasing limited mindsets. And today, I want to talk about releasing toxic emotions. And this is a powerful one. It goes along with the releasing of the, the limited mindsets. They go together. And the reason why they go together is because every thought that we think has its own unique vibrational energy. And your thought triggers an, an energy in your body that is correspondent or, or um, reflected of the thought that you're thinking, right? So when the energy starts to flow in motion, that's what emotions are. What you feel is what you're experiencing inside of yourself. So it's very important to release those negative mindsets, which is why I was talking about that last week, because they can block you. Well, the toxic emotions can block you from expressing your highest good as well. But there's even more damage to that. So I want to really go deep into that today. And so the scripture that I want to use today comes from Matthew. Now the whole, I'm going to uh, give you the whole thing. This is from Matthew chapter 26, and it's verses 36 through 46 is the story. But I'm only going to pull out some of the scriptures in this story 
to actually drive home what I'm talking about today. This story is actually called Jesus Praise in Gethsemane. And Charles Fillmore, who is the co-creator or the co-founder of Unity, says that Gethsemane is the struggle that take, takes place in, within the consciousness when truth is realized as the only reality. So it's that process that we go through, letting go of the physical realm and just realizing that there's truth and there's a spiritual realm. He goes on to say, all the good is pressed out and saved and the error is denied away. Now, the reason why he's talking about pressed out is Gethsemane is the, the, the name Gethsemane represents the pressing out of oil. It represents that. That's what the, that name means. But he's talking about the metaphysical meaning of it. So that's why he's saying press. So the good is pressed out of the experience and the error is denied away. And he goes on to say, this is often agony, the suffering that the soul undergoes in giving up its cherished idols or in letting go of human consciousness. So when Jesus was about to be arrested, he had the same 12 powers we had. And he started to feel and, under, and, and get a premonition of what was going to go on, how he was going to be crucified, literally murdered. The trial he was going to go through, he started to get these ideas in his, his mind about the, being beat, all of the whole thing. And so his mind is going through this experience of that. And so whenever we start thinking those thoughts, it causes some type of response in our body. And here he says, it says that he became anguished and depressed. Can you imagine how you would feel? Now, you know you're here for a specific reason. But you, if you knew you were here to be murdered, to be crucified, and your purpose is to go through the whole thing, your purpose is to be betrayed by those who are closest to you, someone, and, and, and your own people, and put up on a cross and killed and, and murdered for something you did not do except come down to give your life for your people. That's deep. Do you think Martin Luther King Jr. would have still come down if he, or, or accepted his calling if he knew he was going to be assassinated? What about JFK? You don't think so? I think the soul has this contract where, where it only knows as much as it needs to know to keep you going because if you really know what's going to happen, your human side denies it. Your human side will not have you go through. But Jesus right here is being tempted. His body's having the experience of anguish and, and distress. He's being tempted with that. So put yourself in his place. And he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane and he leaves uh, some of the disciples outside and he asks them to stay out and pray. But then he takes Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, with him. Now what that tells me is that whenever we are going through a process of releasing any toxic emotions, you are going to need the powers that are represented by those disciples. John represents love. James represents wisdom. And Peter represents faith. 
So you're going to have to have the faith to know that you have the power to transmute or release any toxic emotions inside of yourself, that it is just a process you're going through. And that whatever's going on inside of you, that is this anguish, you, you can be in a space where you can identify what is that emotion. That's where the wisdom comes in. Being able to identify what emotion is going on inside of me. What energy is in, in emotion is uh, going on inside of me. And then he goes on to say, well, this is so you identify the toxic emotion that you are feeling inside. That's the first phase of releasing any toxic emotion. And really, what you do is you're not going to actually release it. You allow it to pass through you, but as it's passing through you, your response to it will be transmuted into a higher vibration. So you won't be overcome by it. You ever felt like you were overwhelmed and overcome by your emotions? Like they've swept in and taken over? Like you might have been thinking a lot and you become overcome and it sweeps in? It literally does. Because when you're in a space of anguish that Jesus was in, what happens is there's a rush that goes on, a chemical rush that goes on in the brain and it swoops through the, the blood cells, through the blood in the body. It triggers an emotion in the body, energy in motion in the body, and then you feel it through your heart. And so the first thing is to identify what's going on. For him, it was anguish and distress. And then you feel it as deep as you can. The next thing he said was, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Because he knows what he's about to go through. Anybody had a moment where there's something you know you have to go through, but you don't really want to do it? Anybody had a moment where you had to break up in a relationship and you didn't want to break up? Or you knew you had to leave a job, and you knew it was the best thing to leave the job, but you're really nervous about doing it, and especially if there's not a prospect in place. And like, you really got to stick in the space of trusting. Or... You know somebody's about to pass away who you really love, and you got to release that person. And it hurts. He was about to go get murdered. I have a feeling that it wasn't only his anguish and distress he was feeling. I have a feeling he was feeling his mom's stress and anguish, which she would go through. The disciples who loved him, what they would go through, he knew they would leave, they would disperse. And anybody else who thinks about it, even to this day, thinks about what he went through. If you really think about everything he went through, that he was taking on everybody's emotion to the point that his soul is crushed. Think about that. So what you do the second phase is, Feel it completely, because you don't know what you're releasing until you literally feel it completely. You identify it, and you feel it completely. And so that's the second stage to identify it, is you become present to how deeply the emotion is affecting your mind and your body. You ever been overwhelmed to the point where you couldn't really even move? You're paralyzed. I know I was paralyzed <laughs> when I got on that airplane the first time. <laughs> the hallway going down was this way, and this was the, attend the um, flight attendant. I slid right into the flight attendant. 
this part. And I was sitting there quaking in my shoes. I didn't have on boots. I had on shoes at the time. And it was terrifying. But I wanted to graduate. This was last year. No, the year before last. <laughs> I've been on it six times. Yay. I had to go down to actually be accepted into the ministerial program. I had never been on an airplane then. Now, last year I had been on an airplane before. I was still terrified, but not as bad as the first time. I was terrified. And it took me 15 minutes to literally move. And I was crying, boo-hooing. And that flight attendant sitting there, was, standing there was like, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. Just take it one step at a time. I'm boo-hooing and I'm in a, on the verge of having a panic attack because that's how terrified I am to walk down that hall, uh, the hallway of the airplane and find my seat. I can just imagine how Jesus is feeling. That he's going to be murdered. And so I'm sitting there and, and literally breathing, and I, I, I started going into God Almighty. I started identifying with the feeling. I started identifying with the feeling, and I started know, feeling it deeply so that I could release it out of me. And, and I was able to do that, which was exciting for me. And you know the kicker is, the kicker is when you do that, when you take the affirmation, and when you, I mean, when you take it and you, and you feel it deeply, and then you step into it anyway, because I'm not talking about you're not, you're not going to have any emotions at all. I'm talking about learning how to move through them and then release them and then go on with your life. And I was able to move through it and release it and walk down that hall. And not only was I able to walk down that hall and sit in my seat, there was somebody next to me who held my hand through the whole flight. And that was awesome. Even, to the, even in a point when I was okay on the flight, when it stopped kind of bobbing up and down, and my stomach stopped getting that sinking feeling. I hate that sinking feeling. I don't even go on swings because I hate that sinking feeling. I get too high and it's like, I'm ready to hop off. <laughs> but she held my hand all the way through. And then when we were about to land, she, I was sitting there and I was praying and she tapped me on the shoulder. She was on the other side of the aisle and she said, do you want me to hold your hand when we land? And I said, yes. Now, I was okay at the time, but I saw for her it felt good to be that strength for me. So I said, yeah, and she held my hand. But you know what else? She was in a lot of pain at the time. So having me as a distraction for her to give me love and support helped her. Her daughter told me that later, helped her get through that experience. So there's a blessing always there. There's always a blessing. When you identify it, when you feel it fully, and you prepare yourself to go through it. The next part of the scripture says, Jesus is saying this to his disciples. He's saying, keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. Now see, he's on the verge with these thinking, these thoughts. He's on the verge and he's, he's in a space of feeling anguish and feeling distress. But he's saying right here to pray, watch and pray. So, so you're watching your thoughts. What he means by that is start controlling your thinking through prayer. Start to control your thinking. Look at what you're thinking and you can take control over your thoughts. And he says that your spirit, uh, so that you will not give in to temptation. So he's being tempted to give in to that distress and to give in to that anguish, but he knows that he can pray. And then he says the spirit is willing, but the body is what? Weak. You ever felt really weak when you were overwhelmed? 
But when you're in a state of uh, trusting and confidence and faith, you feel strong, right? This is what he's talking about. So what you do next is you pray to deny the power of the toxic emotion that makes you feel weak, that keeps you paralyzed in your seat, that keeps you from making a move. You know, I left in 2007 when I was in the Unity Urban Ministerial School. I left because I didn't think I could do it. But then when I realized, when I moved into a space where I started feeling the urging coming more and more, I had to release the, the uh, what is it, the doubt, the worry, the fa- fear of failure. Anybody have those things? When you try to do the thing that you love the most, are you loving what you do, Lauren? Did you get in there easily? Were you nervous to do it? Anybody else nervous to do what you love to do? Usually when it's something that you are here to do, some expression that you are here to give, there's something we have to release and let go of that's blocking us. Because in this world, there are those areas in the race consciousness that come up with doubts, with worries. How am I going to do this? Like, I didn't know how I was going to pay the tuition, but I was able to pay it in payments. And I was able to pay it off. I didn't know how I was going to be able to do that and work full-time as an assistant manager at a retail store. But the way God did it, I was able to finish everything on time. If when you step in and you release and you deny the power of that toxic emotion, what happens is God transmutes it into something that you can work with on a spiritual level. And then it moves in you and it transmutes the vibration and the energy inside of you to an energy that moves you forward instead of blocking you and keeping you stagnant in your seat. Does that make sense? I am ready to release toxic emotions together. I'm feeling God deep. I'm feeling God deep. Okay. Then Jesus moved into affirming. Let's read this together. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, My Father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. Now, the reason why they said this is because, and I, like I said, I'm skipping scriptures, and I want you guys to read this, is Matthew 26, verse 36 to 46. I want you to read this and really identify with it. He had already gone down. He had already said this, Father, take this cup, if it be your will, my, not my will, but thy will be done. And then he came down and he started he, to his friends, and he was like, wait a minute. Peter, why are you sleeping on me? Wait a minute. And what that means is, Every time it's a deep, deep emotion, you may have to revisit it more than once. You may have to go in with a deep affirmation more than once to release the power of it because you know what? It becomes important to you. It's what you've lived with. And you know, this is the kicker. Let me tell you the kicker. A lot of the things that we have as an insecurity, a lot of the things that we have that we think we can't do, a lot of the things that are holding us back are somebody else's ideas that we have adopted for our own. They are not yours. They are not yours. Somebody has told you you can't do this. Somebody has told you you're too sensitive to do that. Somebody has told you, what makes you think you can do that? 
Somebody told you you might be too, you're too this or too that or not enough this, or maybe you're too old, you're too young. Somebody has told you something that you've accepted and adopted during the ages up to six years old is when we really start to formulate those thoughts, those core thoughts that either move us forward or hold us back. And it depends on what our parents or those who we hold as an authority in our life are telling us because we begin to believe them. It depends on what they said to us, whether or not we're going to go forward or step back. And if you've been told no a lot, or if you've been told you can't a lot, or if you've been told this is why you can't a lot, or if you've been told um, something like, I heard this uh, a story of this lady who said that she was um, on her way to summer camp, and they were on their way on the, on the bus to the girls' campsite. They'd already let the boys off. And she said she was sitting there trying to get up the courage to say hi to the lady, the girls who were talking next to her. And the camp, um, the, the camp director nudged her inside and said, you're boring. And that just shot her down. And it took her a lot to overcome that. Now, she had already was about to get up the nerve to say something to them. And, you know, you know, you're nervous when you're around new people and you're young and you're introverted. And she was just about to say that. And that shifted into her mind, a core, a core thought that I'm not good enough and I have to supersede, I have to do more. So from that moment, she started doing more to the people pleasing I was telling you about and try to make somebody feel happy and energetic. And if they didn't, she felt like she failed. So then that blocked her from even trying again sometimes. Have you ever seen a little, a little girl, a little boy to, around their parents, their parents trying to get their attention and the parent snaps at them and hurts their feelings and you see the little girl or little boy shrinking down? Anybody ever seen that? Don't you know you fought that little girl, little boy follows you to adulthood? And it becomes a toxic emotion. Every time you think on it, it becomes a toxic emotion. That story gets triggered over and over and over again. And that little girl lit or little boy lives it over and over again until you get to the point where you start to feel your own individualized expression. And, but then when you get your own individualized expression, it butts against what other people have told you and you have to push through. Anybody ever had those feelings, those thoughts? You had to push through. And that's why teenagers have such a hard time sometimes rebelling because they don't know how to say how they feel. My daughter was a little bit aggressive. She was more than a little bit aggressive. She was a lot aggressive when she was in her teenage years. And I used to have to tell her, Ashley, you, are, you have the right to your own opinion. I just don't like how you're expressing your opinion. How about you be more assertive instead of aggressive? And when we teach our children those types of things, instead of you're a bad girl or a bad boy if you speak up, or you might talk too much, the little kids like asking questions. That's how they learn. Shut up, you ask too many questions. I've seen that too. And then I've had to, like with kids when I was in kindergarten especially, and I've had to reinforce them even more to bring them out of the hole or the personality um, when they decline into their shell. It's like now I, it's harder for me to get them out to learn because now they don't even want to answer a question. That they, and I know they know the answer. But that's our life all the way to adulthood. That little kindergartner goes through it over and over and over again. Jesus is just go, is going through a fact of he is in anguish, but we get triggered all the time. 
We have so many negative emotions all the time, and it lasts from 60 to 90 seconds. Every single time is triggered. So the next thing that we do is you pray to affirm God's will in your life. If I, it, so Jesus was anguished and feeling anguish and distress. What would be another, what would be God's will for him? Throw it out. Any emotion that would be better than that? Ah, peace. What else? Acceptance. Acceptance. What else? Strength. That's a big one. Do you know that once we get to a moment where we accept the situation, the solution always shows up? Anybody had that? Once you get to the moment where you accept the, the situation, the solution shows up. Because we block it when we're sitting there trying to resist it and trying to not experience it and blocking ourselves from experiencing it. But the moment you accept the situation for what it is without judgment, the solution shows up. God cannot show up in your life if you are resisting. All that will show up is more resistance because you're co-creating through thoughts held in mind. So you go through identifying the toxic emotion, the one you wish to release, and then you become, you become completely aware of what it is. You feel it fully. And then you deny the power that that toxic emotion has. And that's when the fourth unity principle comes in because then you affirm the truth of the situation. Every time we pray, you pray affirming, but until you clear, you cannot affirm. You have to transmute the vibration of it, anguish, into peace. So you affirm, I, I release the power of anguish and distress. And then you get to the point, you say it or feel it deeply until you feel it start to dissipate. And then you affirm peace, confidence, strength. They cannot hold the same space. You transmute it. Does that make sense? The last thing he said that it says here, can we read this too? Together? So he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. So you affirm it, and you affirm it, and you affirm it until you know that you know that you know that what you are affirm affirming to be so is one with you. Because if you only affirm it half-heartedly, then you go back to the toxic emotion. You have to completely transmute it into the truth. And then the fifth unity principle says, we live the truth that we know, right? Your life becomes an expression of that new vibration. You don't always have to seek the higher emotion. You seek God's will in the situation, and God's will will open up the thoughts that are connected to that emotion, and you will start having those higher vibration thoughts. And what will happen is through those higher vibration thoughts, you will start having energy that moves in motion in your body, and the emotion that you feel in your body will come out as a feeling of peace and oneness and confidence and strength. And whatever it is that is yours to do, you will have the confidence and the peace and the self-love and the feeling of worthiness to do it, to walk in the steps of what you're here to do. Every single one of us has something to do. Every single one of us has something to do. And even if you retired, you still got something to do. As long as you're still in flesh, you still have something to do, even if it is just to be a higher expression of God's vibration of love. You still have something to do. Each and every one of us can shine a beacon words. You can sit in a place. I remember I was in um, 
There was a storm going on, and I was going to get some pizza uh, at Hungry Howie's. And where I was, I heard popping. We all heard popping. There was a, some type of uh, generator or whatever uh, going on, and it was sparking and everything. And people were freaking out. You know, dang, I can't even get my pizza. The lights went out and everything. It was dark. People, woo, 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 freaking out. And I'm sitting there in a space of peace. People walking in and out. Then the driver comes in and throws a bag. I can't believe it. I saw this barking, and everybody's freaking out even more. I'm just sitting there in a state of peace. And then one of the guys looks over at me and says, We're, the lights are probably going to go off forever. I said, unless they don't. <laughs> and the lights came on, and I had just said, let there be light in my mind. And the lights came on and did not go out again. And he was like, wow, you're sitting there in peace, huh? I said, yeah, I knew the lights would come back on. I had faith in it. And even if they didn't come on physically, it came on in me. And that's all that mattered because I was the spark of peace that was needed in that space when all chaos was breaking loose. And the people would be like, how are we going to make pieces in the dark? And crash it into each other and everything. I'm like, woo. That's what we are here to be. And we do it by releasing, <clears throat> releasing the toxic energy. And the last thing I said, we affirm the truth until you believe it from the inside out. You are not going to find it outside of you. It is not even from what I'm telling you right now. The Bible says, test the spirit by the spirit. So whatever it is that you hear that I'm saying to you, that inspires you, that is your opportunity to go inside and meditate on it and let it spark up a higher vibration of life within you and then know what it is that yours to do. I want us to do these affirmations and, and then we're done. Let's do the first one together. I release toxic emotions that keep me from expressing my highest good. The second one. I deny the power of toxic emotions. Now that is powerful because it's not the emotion that's bothering you. It's the power that you give it. Now this is the biggest piece in here that I want you all to really take home with you. No one can make you mad. No one can make you feel distressed. No one can make you feel depressed. No one can make you feel upset. No one can make you angry or, or in resentment or whatever that. It is all a matter of choice. If you're in a space where you're feeling something, you're choosing to feel it. You're choosing it. And when it's hurting you deeply and you're still feeling it, you're still choosing it. My question is, wouldn't it be better to choose differently? That's my question. Wouldn't it be better to choose differently? The moment you choose, we keep talking about change your mind, change your life. You change your mind by choosing differently. And the moment you choose differently, because that is your choice, the third unity principle kicks in and you end up co-creating through thoughts held in mind. I ask you, do you choose to release these toxic emotions that are keeping you still or hurting somehow inside of you? Do you choose it? Yes? Yes. yes. I choose it. I choose it. Let's do the next one. The, uh, I accept and affirm God's will. Together, I accept and affirm God's will. That's a choice? Did you make it? Yes. <laughs> oh, only a few of you? Let me ask that again. Is that a choice that you're making? Yes. 
Thank you. And let's do the last one. Now, this one is, is really important because I can tell you've chosen it by how your life is reflecting. So let's do this last one. I live the truth that I know. Say it again. I live the truth that I know. One more time. I live the truth that I know. Do you see it? Do you receive it? Do you believe it? Will you be it? All right. That's it. Amen. Light of the world, hope for all men, you never let me down. I can believe you call me your friend, it's turned my whole life around. But still it's hard to let go of the wheel. Showed me for listening to this Unity of Farmington Hills podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, 
and uplifted you. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings, but still want to support our spiritual community, visit our giving page at www.unityfh.com donate.